After several failed attempts at a cold open, we've realized it's because we don't know what to make of this team. You're listening to Can't Read, Can't Write. Yeah, I mean, I guess. Yeah, lift the curtain up. Why not? There it is. Let's go. You're listening to Can't Read, Can't Write. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Can't Read, Can't Write, the podcast that proves Spartans can talk. I'm Mike Jones, joined, as always, by the worst co-host, Kevin Grek. Oh, but it's the co-host that you have this week, Mike Jones. But because we're like someone this week, someone had better things to do. Honestly, we need to change the album art. Change it back. Uh, I think we got a question about what are we doing about the uh, uh, about the Twitter handle, and the answer is leaving it for moments <laughs> such as these. Because, dear listener, due to someone's you know behavior last week, we had to put him on sabbatical. It was a mutually agreed upon situation. Yeah, due to conduct unbecoming of a co-host. So. He he got the Dan Dockage treatment, really, is That's is right. what it is. Uh, Our own personal Dan Dockage. That is, of course, Kevin Greck. I'm Michael Jones, and uh, we want to thank everyone for listening to the podcast. Uh, if we could ask a small favor, please share the pod with Spartans in your life. Rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get podcasts. And, of course, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at Spartan underscore pod. Has our Instagram handle been deleted yet? Can no, I stop plugging it's that? active. <laughs> Does it even tweet the show out? Uh, no, no, it certainly does not because it's Instagram and you don't tweet on Instagram. Now, do you, Michael? Does it share the show? No, it doesn't do that either. Ah, Cool, cool, cool. All right, uh, Greg, uh, what is the rundown of what we're going to talk about on this week's show? All right. So, uh, on the green wall, there's a sport that always leads football where dudes are getting paid more money than they used to before. And we're not just athletes. That's right. That, although... I guess now the athletes are getting paid too. So can't say that anymore. Uh, now, uh, then we move on to basketball where there were two games. Which one do you think people would rather have us talk about? Uh, and then we'll go two games. Then we'll go off Grand River. We'll talk about hockey for a second. So Is we'll that bring off the, Grand River? The energy back down. It deserves to be off Grand River. <laughs> the hockey program gets cast adrift uh, off of campus and is now somewhere up near Eastwood Town Center. Um, and Fully, then no, uh, more. Uh, uh, what's that trash mall um, by one twenty seven? Eastwood Town Center, the one that no one likes driving to because the traffic's a nightmare. You talking about? Oh, Frandor. Yes, Frandor. Yes. The, the hockey program belongs over in Frandor. Uh, and then uh, there are three basketball games to preview um, because there was a team. It decided it had too much COVID to play earlier, but now it has not enough coach. So I don't, I don't know what to do with that situation. Or maybe has all the coach it needs. Maybe, maybe. Uh, and uh, and then of course we'll get to those Twitter questions after that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So uh, football coaching salaries. Here's the thing about this situation. You specifically asked me to have this information up. I specifically do not. Okay. So uh, I'm going to recite it from memory. Three assistant coaches at Michigan State University are being paid more than a million dollars now. 
I, can I just say as a side about the cold open situation? Yeah. Uh, real quick. I got a text that it was painful to overhear. <laughs> so that's that's a thing that happened. One of the things I hate the most about listening to podcasts is when the hosts talk about the podcast itself because no one cares. <laughs> and now here we are. I think our listeners would enjoy me being made fun of. I, it's I different for us because we have a relationship with our audience. Yeah. We've communicated together. We've tweeted together. We've been tubined. We're all suffering the abandonment of uh, of a, a certain co-host right now. Sure, sure. So we're all in this together. And even though it might sound like I was uh, buying time with all of that, I wasn't. I still don't I'll, have this. I'll step in now. for you here. So uh, folks may remember that when Mel Tucker got his big old pay raise, uh, there was an added sum of money. I believe it was a million dollars, maybe? Something. Some kind of uh, maybe some dollar two, amount. Uh, for assistant coaches. So folks got some raises. Almost everyone got raises. Uh, Harlan Barnett got uh, a cool uh, $45,000 uh, added to his salary. Um, Ross Ells got $100,000 added to his salary. Ted Gilmore got $50,000 added to his salary. That Courtney, Courtney Hawkins got a number that is too complicated for me to do the math on, but he's now at 425. Uh, we really don't have to just name off numbers. Scotty Hazelton, Jay Johnson, and Coach Cap are now in the two comma territory. There we go. That's that's the punchline. That is a punchline. Um, in one of those cases. So here's the thing. Um, this is. I mean, these these are competitive rates. Now I know that there are. Uh, assistant coaches and and coordinators in the SEC that are up in the two million dollar range. I understand that, um, but this is a impressive coaching salary pool, and it has got to put the entire coaching market on notice that MSU football is here to play, and they are willing to make investments in folks. I'm I'm impressed by this. But what was your takeaway by this uh, um, from this situation? So it's it's interesting because I think um, so much of last season, um, and so it, notably, I, I think we would all raise our hand and be like, Scotty Hazelton. The numbers didn't look great for this. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Uh, and then, you know, from a numbers perspective, you might uh, you might point to uh, Jay Johnson for sure as someone who uh, merited a raise and Coach Cap, obviously someone uh, that, you know, we th- we thought we saw some improvements in offensive line play. Um, and certainly as the run game coordinator, uh, you know, looked good with old Ken Walker. Uh, but I, I do think at moments during the season, we had some legitimate criticism for those two coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, you get this extra money. You're not sitting on it for no reason, right? right. Like you're going to spend that money. Yep. And, um, you know, I, I think if I think it was doled out in a way that that makes sense. I I, I also am with you on. Uh, these are numbers that will continue to draw high-end talent 
if if and when changes happen. Um, I thought actually two of the numbers that we didn't read off though, uh, as you were scolding me passive aggressively for reading raises, Great. were uh, Ephraim Reed and Brandon Jordan. Uh, so Reed uh, comes in at 200K. Who, and, for the audience, let us recall, Ephraim Reed was an analyst on the staff, took a job at Georgia Southern, correct? Yes, Georgia Southern. And then was Barely. Rehired. I don't know that he ever actually left campus. Bro, uh, if he didn't get his stuff packed up, that's really convenient for him if he was yes. able to keep the, you know, the condo or whatever. And then everyone uh, active on social media will know who Brandon Jordan is. Yeah. Uh, so, but Brandon Jordan is at 225. Mm-hmm. And so before we started recording, you made an interesting comment. I thought that like, you know, at that salary, do we risk getting him poached? I mean, it's not high, but this is his first time being a position coach on field at a major D1 level. And MSU is allowing him, however you want to look at this, allowing or enabling or whatever. (laughs) enabling him to maintain his relationship with professional uh, linemen. So yeah, he gets um, to keep his day job. Yeah. So th- this is not the only, you know, money. This is, th- this is not the only, you, you know, on the old IRS, uh, yeah. you know, it's tax season. Um, uh, so maybe it works out. Um, I, I suspect if they feel like they get the contributions from him on staff that they wanted to, and look, uh, pulling Andrew DePape like off the bat as as a recruiter, yeah. and and the folks that were in on on the D line, um, are elite level talents. Yeah. That you know if if he's able to translate some of those wins, I suspect his two twenty five is a short lived number, and I I would I would put good money that we won't lose him because of money. So uh, the real winner in all of this is either Lexus of Lansing or uh, <laughs> Okemos Mercedes-Benz. Um, what about Sundance? Sun- These guys aren't getting a, you know, a moderately specked out, you know, Chevy Cobalt or something like that. I don't think. Uh, so uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe Ephraim Reed wants a Silverado or a, like a Denali or something like that. But uh, Those new Broncos are pretty nice. Bro. There's not a Sundance Ford that I'm aware of. What are you doing? Oh, ah, you're, you're right. Humiliating yourself on the podcast. Oh, you don't even know cars. It's, this it's is what happens, listeners. When the man leaves the Great Lakes State, he goes out east. He gets all coastal elite. If it ain't he, Tesla, I don't know what we're doing. Yeah, here. he forgets. <laughs> he doesn't even know what the big three is making anymore and who does what. Um, Ford's got that, that truck coming out that's electric. Yeah, that's the lightning. Uh, Which has always lightning. existed. The F one fifty lightning has always existed. No, 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 no. Points. The 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 little one. Um, if you don't know about this, this is a big deal. Is this the, a Ranger electric as well? It's like a. It, it's not a Ranger, but it's a four door with a a fairly compact bed. Like, but it it. Google it. I'm, Chevy SS is what you're talking about. No, it's not a Chevy. It's a Ford. Anyway, all right. <laughs> this is wow. I think some These people guys said last be buying week's cars. episode was great, and this one is bad already. These guys are going to be buying cars. All right. Anything else on fireball. football before we have to decide what we're doing with this basketball team live and out the air? Uh, anything else you want to talk about with this? 
I, I no. think this. You know, people love it when we talk about the pod. So let's have an on-air meeting. I would so much rather spend money here than in crazy, more ridiculous facilities. And I know that those are happening as well. But maybe- what about analysts? And like, I mean, you you look at the the support staff that Bama has, and let's just use that as the benchmark for elite, right? Like, I think that's a fair thing to say. This is elite. When you're going and buying newly fired head coaches and then just like paying them to sit in an office for a year. Sure. Yeah. I mean, fine. Like, I'm I'm not suggesting that we have the capital to do the things that they're doing. But if 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 that's the mark, that's the top of the mountain, then like, let's start there with things they choose to spend money on. And sure, sometimes it's Mel Tucker as an analyst, right? Like, but. They have plenty of other analysts. They have a larger dietitian staff, right? They have a larger strength and conditioning staff. The, the folks who who really do player support, that's another space you could be spending money on. Mm-hmm. I suspect that's a longer-term play, and this is an initial play to attract top talent. But, I, you know, we're not recycling fired head coaches here. I I don't think that's going to be. We're not there yet. Do we know where this pool of assistant coaching money ranks in the Big Ten? I imagine it's top half, top third, something like that. I think it might be bigger than Michigan's. Hmm. I mean, it's high. It's, I almost might say that it's in the like kind of diminishing returns type of area. Now, in fairness, this These are raises on top of dollar amounts that when these contracts were initially announced, you and I were skeptical about. But I think we can say... Because they were already high dollar. They were high dollar at the time. Jay Johnson came in, paid a lot of money. (laughs) We did give him the may and egg, you know. Yes. Her. Treatment. (laughs) But uh, I think we can say in light of recent events... This is the price of of doing business. It is funny how much higher on Scotty Hazelton I was than Jay Johnson. Well, we're on the <laughs> other side. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah. I, I mean, all a good thing, but I, I think we're just more naming how the money got doled out. And the good thing was that there was more money, right? That's... So, uh, we are essentially uh, doing the bit where a newscaster reads the news uh, on the air. So, um, all right. So let's, let's do the bit where the newscasters talk about how they're going <laughs> to discuss the on the air. this basketball team, because there were two games this week. <laughs> Nearly no one, 30 piece. No one wants the feeling of talking about the Iowa game, which, which is basically collectively, we all made a mess in our pants. And now the question is, do we sit in it? Or not? Or do we talk about the Purdue game, which we all would like to think aspirationally is what this team could look like moving forward? So, or do we do a little column A? Do you, do you, you know, need a spoonful of sugar, but you still need the medicine to go down? I mean, I, I think it's fair to say that whatever ha- happened at Carver Hawkeye was a human centipede situation. Uh, where we I, were all parts of the human centipede. MSU I, basketball was sewed, sewed its mouth to its own rectum and created its own loop. I oh. guess Malik Hall was the 
was the front of the centipede? <laughs> Who was the back, Gabe? Uh, yeah. <laughs> 19 minutes, zero points, over seven from the field. Here's how poorly Gabe's game went. Upper deck jerk guy has picked a new dude to ask what we think. Yeah. About his game. Um, so I don't, I, I think here's, here's a couple things that I wanted to say about the Iowa game and we don't need to break it down in particular because it, I mean, what, what you will, the, the, the Purdue game in, in its intangibles, let alone it's shooting is such a contrast from the Iowa game, mm-hmm. but the, we called out beforehand that Iowa had a very nice offense. Yeah. Really great offense. We know that about Iowa teams. The, uh, the knock is the, the defense. The convention with Iowa is glass cannon. You know, yeah. They're going to put points up, but if you can punch them in the mouth and do things that MSU normally does well, rebound, uh, control, pace of the game a little bit, it kind of impose your will on the game. This is a very beatable team, a very beatable program. That's so, not what happened. Yeah. You know, Iowa getting 86 points as they did. Mm-hmm. You know, I probably would say no matter what, that's a loss for MSU. Probably. But so I could have a whole conversation about the defensive woes. And indeed, what's so frustrating about what the, happened in the, the Hawkeye game is that we were able to do so much better against the number one offense in the country, but we'll get to that in a second. Um, what bothers me is the 60 points. Hmm. Fran doesn't even coach defense. I don't think Fran has ever heard of defense. So it, the, the fact that only one person got into double digits and frankly, that it was Malik Hall is a little bit more annoying than anything else. I think Fran didn't even bother coaching this game because he's so like focused on like, what is my identity in the coaching tree of the Big Ten? Whose like, numbers being retired today? Yeah. Or he's like, if I'm not the hothead anymore, who am I? You know, what am I known for? He was in an identity crisis that mm-hmm. he was not the most recently suspended Big Ten coach. It was weird for him, <laughs> but this made him feel better. Maybe MSU is just making Fran feel better. He did smile quite a bit. Uh, so I don't know. Look, I mean, so there were Jordan Bohannon. Yeah. Get a job. Like. Be gone. <laughs> be, be gone. I, I, I mean, Keegan Murray, great player. Like. But. But you saw what we did against Jaden Ivey. Yep. So, I, I, I mean, it was. I, I, I think actually the, the conversation we should have about the Iowa game is the conversation that that started to percolate with more fervor after the game. Because I think this game was the first time that people I would consider not crazy fans started asking questions about Izzo. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't ready to ask the questions myself, but I wasn't ready to call those people insane for, for doing it. I mean, you you get thirty pieced by Iowa, yeah, and it's and it's because of lack of truly just lack of hustle, yes, 
that I, I don't know what to make of that. Well, we received an email from a dear listener on Friday of last week. So that would be before the, the Purdue game. Yes. Um, from Joe Ashworth. Joe, happy to be the recipient of that email. Yes. We're not going to read the entirety of it, but no. we did we did read the entirety of it. Yes. We just will not read the entirety of it on air. And there were some interesting things in there. That basically Joe's the thesis of the email was not ready to give up on this program yet. And there were some things that were called out in that email that we had talked about and we had already been a little bit uh critical of. The fact that there are two open bench seats, you know. Uh Mr. Smith does does not need to be on a on a full ride scholarship. His dad's good for it, you know. Yeah. Uh, the fact that um, that uh, there's been some issues with this is kind of a mature coaching staff. What does that yeah. mean? Um, there were and, well, and, and, there and are Kevin- things with this program right now that I think it's fair to to question. And and you know Kevin I think the 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 thing about the open scholarships that you know so I there was I I tweeted about that and and uh I think former listener of the pod CTNTC uh responded that like MSU doesn't need a bigger rotation and that's a fair point it's a that's a fair point the problem is that I, I you know I think the bigger question is, would Tom Izzo have even used internal competition against his seniors? Mm -hmm. Like, are you going to play Max Christie less or bench Gabe Brown more to create competition on the wing? Are you, and and there may well not have been a a five out there to go get, like that just may not have existed. Yep. But I, I don't, so I, I think that's a fair question, but Keon Coleman saw first half minutes in this game. In the game. And and it was alarming that none of his teammates would pass to him. But and and Keon said, that's fine, I'll come in at garbage time. I'll clean up. I'll get on the I'll get I on think the, the board. alarming thing was garbage time happened and no one got punched during the you know, during the, <laughs> the handshake line. The handshake line. Uh CT CT is like, if I wasn't a former listener before. I sure am now. <laughs> um, but I, so, so that's the piece that like, where I kind of push back that internal competition wouldn't a bad thing. It's not a bad thing to have a better practice squad. Right. That's like, yeah, so the, there's, that is a deeply, deeply concerning issue that we have we have called out for a long time but it it is i think it's fair to say that whatever tom Izzo has built deck literally decades of of creating an identity for this team has more often than not been missing this year and so you it's fair to say or it's what's mel tucker's uh expression you're either coaching it or you're allowing it to happen Mm. and so i'm I don't doubt that Tom Izzo is allowing it to happen. And I don't think he's coaching softness in his team. Like, I I mean, I I think that's a bit of a false dichotomy that Mel's presented, but there's something happening here. And, and, and I, I get why people reach their boiling point. I do. 
So with all of that, let's talk about the other game. Let's talk about the good news, um, which I'll point out 10 guys clocked in during, and this was a close game. There's no garbage time in this one. That's a bit of a reflection probably of Purdue's depth. Although I will say it's not like, you know, people were just thrown at Zach Eady. Although I was advocating for that. Uh, that just body upon body would be thrown at Zach Eady. I, I did find out that if you if you throw a haymaker, it only costs you a game. So there's really no reason that Mati Sissoko shouldn't have been throwing mm-hmm. haymakers. Mm-hmm. So this was a game. Again, Max Christie plays the most minutes, 35, um, scores 11 points. But that's not the that's not the story here. I think the big stories here are even with some defensive issues, Julius Marble kind of starts to show I, you know, I can go, I can, I can bang. Let's let's well. So let's talk about Marble for a second. Yeah. Because I, I've been critical, I think on the pod, but certainly within when you and I chat that, that Julius Marble for particularly in the first two thirds, first, half of the season that his defense, particularly on the pick and roll was. Yeah, he gets lost. Wor- totally worse lost. than Mati Sissoko's in some way. Um, and not only has Julius Marble been to your point, better at banging down low, trying to push a guy out. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But, you know, I saw he got beat on a pick and roll because he didn't, <clears throat> he didn't come out enough to like, disrupt the path path of the the guard trying to drive to the to the net um and he he switched that immediately next time it happened hedged out a little bit more uh disrupted the flow so that you know his the the other guy could recover he's getting better he's rebounding better the hustle mm-hmm. is better and and you've seen that consistently actually from Julius Marble for a while now and this is the first game that he got to start in. And and you can't say he didn't earn that. Um, Someone else got to start, start in this game. Malik Hall got to start in this game. One second. Not done with Julius Marble. Oh, okay. Uh, because Julius Marble is shooting what from the field over the last eight games? I don't know. I couldn't tell you, but he shot extraordinary. I think he shot... Five for five in this game, right? If you told me Julius Marble was shooting 90% from the field over the last eight games, I would believe you. The thing is, though, yeah, he shot five for five from the floor, but he shot uh, two for four from the free throw line. So So he deserves to die. He should be stabbed. Blink twice if Alex Plum is in the room holding a gun. (laughs) He should be burned He's That's also true. like an 80% free throw shooter yeah. for anyone who cares. Those were two critical free throws that he missed though. In, like indeed. it was very stressful the result indeed. of missing those two free throws. But the other but the thing I want to say about Julius Marble is that he's also been he's not just an automatic bucket down low. He's stretching the floor not to three point range, but just inside of it, which <laughs> which you have to ask the question Kevin is that a shot he develops in the next year? Marcus Bingham would say, uh, no. <laughs> Listen, I love, uh, I'm very happy with Julius Marble. I think we do need to 
make sure that we talk about how Malik Hall played 23 yeah. minutes, got the start, produced not a ton. Um, this is something that happens. This is the team now. This is who the team is. There are going to be guys that show up in a medium way. There are going to be guys that show up in a big way. And there are going to be guys that are just ghosts. And in this game, Malik Hall was one of those. Um, the other thing that we've got to talk about is Gabe, Gabe and around Gabe and a Gabe uh, finally got Electric. back into it a little bit and got into it from the start of the game. That's the essential thing. Really saw that one first that. go down. Yeah. And then another one go down after that. So three for five overall from three point range. Uh, and, it, you know, took a little bit, took some time off, um, kind of gave way a little bit in the second half, but made some big shots in the first half that kind of like built that lead up. Let this team know they've got what it takes to compete against Purdue. And not that they didn't already know that they didn't, you know, they had what it takes to, to compete against Purdue. But I think well, the... Hold on. Yeah. Because we, we, we talked briefly about Max Christie. Yeah. Uh, five for 10 from the floor, one for three from three-point land, uh, uh, two boards. But so he and Gabe, one of the changes that could have happened in this game. So, we you know, we talked about Marble and Hall getting the start, right? One of the changes that you might have expected to happen this game is to see reduced time for Christie and Brown because they mm-hmm. hadn't been playing particularly well. Uh, the most logical person to take that is Jade Nakins, who only got four minutes in this game. Yeah. But here's what I want to say about Max Christie and Gabe Brown. Both of them, generally speaking, they took turns, but were on Stefanovich, who is old and annoying as he looks is undeniable from three point land and is able to get his shot off so quickly. Um, and without having to really spot up, he, he can catch and shoot. And it like, I mean, he is lethal from three point land. And so we just, we can talk generally speaking about, um, uh, about, the three point shooting, but he was zero for three from three point land. The fact that he only so Purdue went one for nine from three point land. Well, and in fairness to them, um, there was no reason not to shoot it anywhere outside of two feet from the basket. Well, but, but yes, they did go but, one for nine from three point land. Which is, I mean, Izzo was asked about how do you control Zach Eady at halftime, and he said, "We're doing it mm. because they they weren't getting three point looks." They, I mean, they, they picked, we've seen Tom Izzo teams do this before. They did it with Luca Garza when they would beat him. Mm -hmm. They said, fine, you, you bang down low for a little while. Like, that's fine. You can get your two points and we are happy to stop the three point shooting. And Purdue nine attempts is certainly under season average. One for nine is well beneath their three point output. And uh, and that is in no small part because uh, Max Christie and Gabe Brown were on top of their assignments the entire game. Yeah. So I just I, their defensive effort in this game. I mean, obviously, the offensive output was key, important, huge. But it is it is worth mentioning how clutch they were on the perimeter. Yeah, like they didn't get lost or behind guys on on screens. 
So that's hustle. That's hustle. It was all hustle. This whole game was hustle. I mean, uh, that whole Madi Sissoko sequence where he yanks that that rebound yeah. away. Now, MSU did get out rebounded overall, I think, by a 10 rebound margin, which is concerning in its own way. But um, the other I thing I didn't feel like I felt like there were a lot of boards that they were in contention on that they were the last person to touch out of bounds. Sure. Um, I mean, they were more in the mix than they've been in the past. The things also, speaking of things that have been more in the mix than they were in the past, are two point guard lineup. Ten lot minutes of, worth. A lot of Tyson Walker and uh, Hogard on the floor at the same time. And do I dare say that this is starting to turn into a little bit of Hogard's team on the floor? I saw during timeouts, during stoppages of play, during mistakes that were made i saw a lot of aj hogard telling dudes what they did wrong telling dudes where to go i think i said this last week filling that leadership void that we know this team has i i said also he's the the only one i see slapping the floor though tyson walker did it this week Mm -hmm. um the and and yet by the way aj hogard had a hell of a game on defense. I I think he was Mm -hmm. way undercredited with only one steal. Also had a block on Jaden Ivey. Like, Jaden Ivey, don't get me wrong. I mean, dude's an electric talent. I'm not trying to take that away from him. But he was frustrated this game. Yes. And and that was, A.J. Hogard would not let him turn a corner. Um, And so, I mean, A.J. ends with 11.6 assists three turnovers, which, you know, whatever, but like there was nothing about AJ's game that I disliked. He didn't try and do too much. He did exactly what was needed. Speaking of doing exactly what was needed, uh, Tyson Walker gets back in the scoring column as well, starting to look for a shot a little bit more and obviously hit the big one at the end, but that's not what's important here. I will point out if there's anything to get upset about in this game, it might be that this team did kind of try to give it away at the end, went through a huge scoring drought at the end of regulation. Yeah. But basically that... scored three points, I think five points, maybe in the last six minutes, something like that. There was a stretch there though, where it was somewhere between three and five possessions for MSU that they had three open looks from three point land. That and like, then clanged each one of them. Yeah. yeah, I mean they were they were not off shots. Like they just they just didn't go in, yeah. right? Like I, I, so. I mean, and I think that was at a point where they could have truly blown the doors off the game, um, and it just didn't happen. I mean, I, I I don't disagree with your point, but like they were they had strong pole position and and really could have put some distance between them and Purdue, and it just. Uh, I mean, it was like a. Th- I mean, it had been like a five point game for like the last 10 minutes. You hit those threes, though. Yeah, I guess that's fair. Um, Anyway, I mean, that's a that was in a game where we shot nearly 50 percent from three. Like that was that was nine points that uh, that could have been on the board. But yeah, I mean, anyway, so three point shooting overall, though, very good. Joey Hauser, great game in his time. We'll just call that out. Uh, but so Kevin, I think Joey's happy if we just don't mention him during a podcast, when he listens in, he's just like, 
He's just cowering in a corner. He's just shivering. And then when we don't mention his name, he's just like, exhale. I do. I do like there was one time he fouled somebody and they were going back to the other, you know, to to go on to defense. And you, they cut to Tom on the sideline. And it's just he's like, Joey, why? <laughs> like, you're. Like you're not that dumb. Uh, what? Um, so we've kind of run through the box score here, and I, and I know we've talked a lot about effort, um, the the defense into this, to, the defense and rebounding energy was particularly compelling to me. Yeah. Um, and it, and, and I mean, how, sh- sh- Kevin, sh- shit, they had seven steals in this game. Yeah. And so Purdue ends. Marble's good at that too. Yeah, Purdue ends with 17 turnovers, and seven of them are credited as steals. There were a handful of others. That, like, they weren't dumb turnovers in the, in the way that MSU had been plagued with them in the past. They were defensively forced turnovers, a lot of them. So um, I'm curious, what do you take from this game? I, I think the leadership component that you called out was really important. Um, but like, what do you, what do you suspect that you see from here on out? How much stock do you place in this moment as a, like, is this what we're going to get? Or here's my, here's my end takeaway from this. This week is a perfect microcosm. This team has all the potential in the world to get housed by Iowa and it has all the potential in the world to beat Purdue and then actually truly had an opportunity to kind of beat Purdue by a comfortable margin, even though that didn't end up happening. So I think that's just who this team is. And it's going to be different guys at different times. And then there are going to be games where no one shows up. So this is, uh, to, to me, this is a team that could surprise a couple of people in the tournament. But to me, this is not a team that's putting five wins together. It's sort of the same thing that we talked about last week. I did think that the Iowa game was the least winnable of all the remaining games and low. What do you know? They got annihilated in that game. Um, But I think they'll win. There are three games left. We'll preview them. I think they win at least one of those. I think they probably win two. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, They will be up for the Michigan game. I I don't doubt that they'll be. (laughs) <laughs> we'll all be up for the Michigan game. Power. Get your blue pills. You know what I mean? But uh, what, do you disagree with that assessment? Do you have any other thoughts on that? I I think they'd been in such a slump and, and a rut, and it, and it seemed to be a compounding mental thing that was happening. Because remember, everyone, this team had lost five of the last six games before they beat Purdue. Yeah. Um, so really, they've lost five of the last seven. And it and it felt like. It it felt a little bleak um, and it, and it, and it because it felt so mental because it was so energy based. That you could see it going to a really dark place. If you'd told me like after the Iowa game that, that you saw the future in this team missed the tournament, I would have said, I mean, it seems like that's a trajectory. That's a possibility. 
Hmm. The, I mean, the, with the lack of effort and energy, and if so, if you lose to Purdue at home, you not, only have not one more likely, home game. but a possibility. Right. <laughs> I could see it spiraling. Um, we all know about the multiverse now. We can talk about that. Yeah. So, it, I my my thought is that they just beat a very talented team Mm -hmm. and they did it through a lot of grit. They seem to be feeding off of each other and, and that hustle. If you tell me if, if, and frankly, it's nice that they play Michigan next because I I think that energy is going to carry. And so if you carry two games with that kind of hustle, maybe you start to see this team really turn a corner and, and find its identity in a way that it hadn't before. To your, I, the call out on AJ, I think is great. Like, does he kind of usurp and take over this team like mm-hmm. that, that can carry things. And so, no, I, I don't, I'm not going to claim five games worth of wins in the, in the tournament, but I, I do. There's, the door cracked open a little yep. bit on the idea that this team could put some kind of run together. So uh, I think this team did a good job of like feeding off the audience that, you know, the, the crowd at yeah. Breslin center. Um, we know that the audience of this podcast is primarily Michigan based. You know, if you can get to Chrysler, get there, you know, yeah. if you're, if you're worried that you're, you know, jeering and cheering was going to cause Joan Howard to assault you physically. Don't worry. He can't be in the building during that game. You can go, you can feel safe in that environment. Kevin, I would Um, also encourage people to go because we remember last year and much of this team was on the team last year. And those, those stadiums were empty and silent. And so when they travel to Chrysler, we don't want them to have that experience. That's, you know, that like nom flashback experience of a, of an empty gym. So, so do go, do go, dear listener, make the trip and then Uh, stop by, go ahead and stop by a certain bar with a certain wooden panel aesthetic. Oh, do we have, do we have a thing we need to talk about? Not yet. Not yet. Okay. Not yet. All right. Listeners, we're going to be boring you with uh, ad reads in the very near future. I think this one will be, I think this one will be fun and exciting. I think people will be. It's local to us. That, that hasn't happened before. That's yeah, that indeed we have not had an East Lansing based sponsor before. <laughs> do they have online ordering? They do. That's All right, I'm I'm down. Honestly, this is such a great thing for our listeners. Indeed, uh, <laughs> what a I, great thing! I think this will be. Listeners. I think this will be great. All right. All right. Anything else we need to talk about before we go off Grand River and talk hockey? Nah, man. Uh, other than I, let, I, I, I want one more. Like I, I, I want to believe. Yeah, I really do. I don't know that I'm sold. All right. So we had low energy for Iowa. We had high energy for Purdue. Let's take it back down again. Talk about this hockey team. First what do you off, know about hockey? <laughs> well, let's do let's do that hockey. I think they say that in hockey, right? Let's do that hockey. Yeah, let's do that hockey. Um, so, uh, <laughs> it's a wrap. We got called out the last time we talked hockey, and it was fair, fair criticism. Yeah, fair criticism. Which is why uh, we also get called out this week by JD underscore Jerbear, and we do need to bring JD underscore Jerbear back on so, the pod. To I talk think about uh, this I think the Jerbear 
I think the mistake we've been making with the Jared Bear was we bring him in before the season starts. And no one has any emotional investment at that point in time in hockey, in fairness. Mm-hmm. Like, they're neither good nor bad. Well, they I pray just... that no one had any emotional investment in this team this season. But I do think... I, I'm I'm deeply curious how Alan Haller feels about the hockey team's performance. That is a really interesting question to me. Because I don't get the sense that things going on that Alan Haller likes losing. If anyone doesn't know, uh, MSU had a win against Penn State uh, over the weekend. And that saved MSU from having a historically poor win percentage or win streak. It was being catastrophically uh, being the lowest of the low. Yes. Now MSU hockey has made it a bit of a habit to to finish last in the big 10 conference, but this is going to be particularly poor. So uh, then you be the Rutgers of a league, especially with the history of MSU hockey, which I think I could be wrong is the most recent big 10 national championship winner but who when you're recruiting children truly children to come to your university and then they don't get there until they're 36 yeah they they don't know they don't care um with jd underscore chair bear we're putting the bat signal out join us i yeah you're gonna come on for a segment called should danton cole be fired So, I mean, he was brought entirely because of his relationship with Team USA. Who cares if you can't capitalize on that relationship? Uh, yeah, because it doesn't that, seem like he's capitalized. That's on it. that's like uh, it, it's like he thought he had a lot of friends that he was really the guy at the party that they just sort of tolerated because he could bring the beer. Listen, he was a important part of the highest profile story in Rick's history. So he brought the cup that day that Hootie and the Blowfish and Tiger Woods and he were all at Rick's. So RIP. Wait. You didn't hear about Tiger? What? No. (laughs) Oh my God. I didn't know if there were, there was like breaking news on Twitter. (laughs) Worth it. All right. Uh, you, uh, I, I gotta blow my nose. You, you preview some. All right. So, uh, there are three games this week. I don't know how much anyone really wants to hear us talk about them, but basically, uh, on Tuesday, uh, MSU is going to go to Chrysler uh, arena to take on the fight and Phil Martelli's. It's a safe zone Uh, there. It is. No one's going to get punched. No one's going to get hit. Uh, Phil Martelli, as you might recall, uh, was, uh, fired. Uh, after a long time as being a head coach. Uh, so far, I think he's one in one coaching the uh, the University of Michigan. But uh, at St. Joseph's, he didn't uh, quite make the cut. So mm, we'll see. We'll see what Wasn't happens. Wasn't he there forever? He was there for a long time. I don't know exactly how long. I want to say like 15 years. Something like that. 20 years? Didn't he go to a Final Four? I mean, does it? matter i mean i'm just saying uh matt painter hasn't oh that's a good point matt painter has not gone to a final four i don't know that has matt painter made a sweet 16 
Uh, yeah, they may. Uh, that he's not made an elite eight. That sounds right. Whatever it is, Matt Painter. Hmm. Hmm. A bit of a joke. So that's happening on Tuesday. Um, at Wait, Chrysler. we, we, we got to get some more jokes off about Michigan. I, I mean, they're playing better, right? Oh, here's, here's the biggest joke that you can make about Michigan. You can call them the leaders and the best. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, they're playing fine. No one cares. It's, it's kind of an even matchup between them. Like if you look at the measurables, um, these are two teams because MSU is so topsy turvy all over the place. These are two teams that kind of match up weirdly evenly. So I, I don't know what the line is on that game. I'm guessing Michigan by like one two, and a half, something like that. Uh, um, worth calling out though, that um, they are on full blown bubble watch. Like, so not that the game means more to them, but uh, Michigan State probably, almost certainly, punched their ticket to the tournament with the win over Purdue. Uh, Michigan needs to collect some Ws. Yeah, I kind of don't see how this Michigan team doesn't make the Big Ten tournament because they they're ending the season with so many home games. I, I like I just, and then you're not going to get a a buy or a double buy in the Big Ten, you might get a buy. But you're going to play a game or two in the Big Ten tournament. I, I think this Michigan game is going down. This Michigan team is going dancing. And I don't know that there's a whole lot to be... It would take a collapse. Um, Hunter Dickinson is still kind of the dude on that team. Eli Brooks is still more important than he should be. Um Diabate's kind of coming along a little bit, but watch out in the handshake line. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to say about this uh, University of Michigan uh, basketball team who were cowards? Uh, n- no, other than I think to a degree, the formula's a bit the same as what we just did against Purdue. You know, defend Dickinson as best you can, make him run. And then make sure you don't get beat by the three. Like, yeah. I mean, that's honestly, it's not that different than a beeline team. So moving on to Ohio state, this is the first time we've seen Ohio state this season. And EJ um, Liddell is a dude. Liddell is one of those names that is sort of like in big Ten player of the year contention. Um, and then, and then Bronneman or Bronham, Bran, Branham, Branham, Branham. I, I haven't Mich- seen. Michigan it up. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Branham. 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 Uh, so this is a team that's it's been playing well. Uh, they did kind of have a Indiana scare at home. They won in overtime. They lost on the road to Maryland. But for the most part, you know, they, they beat Illinois just recently on the road. Uh, we didn't talk about this, but the – Top 10, I know that Illinois is not in the top 10, but the basketball top 10 just went nuts over the weekend. Um, you know, they they beat Michigan at Chrysler. Yeah, they've they've been having some games. Um, they're playing on Tuesday. Unfortunately, it's just Nebraska at home, but um, this is a team. We didn't talk about Fred and his contract off Grand River. No. Let's uh no, we'll do that sometime. 
The mayor is Need- still the mayor. Needless to say that everyone in Nebraska is getting their deal renegotiated, which is a little bit scary about what Nebraska thinks of itself. They don't think they can get somebody better or the boosters aren't stepping up to pay. It's a problem. And then finally, Maryland at home, who we've already seen and is obviously the most winnable of all of these games. Senior night, um, which I think that's a whole other conversation that we're not going to have now. About who's coming back for next year. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm very curious who kisses the floor. Um, Traditionally, guys that aren't actually graduating have not kissed the floor. I'll just oh yeah, but out. I, I assume the three people in question, Joey, Gabe, and Bingham, would all have the opt. I think I, I assume Joey's graduating this year. Could be. Um. I don't know what his Gabe's graduated. I know. I know. Like, yep. Gabe's already graduated. I don't know if Marcus Bingham's graduated. I'm guessing those guys don't kiss the floor, but they might not be back next year. Ooh, that would be, that would make me sad for them. We'll see. I think there was already a graphic that was uh, posted on social media of a, like, thanks the seniors um, from, from MSU basketball that didn't include those guys. Which might imply, oh, what well, was his own senior night on uh, at the Purdue game? Is the oh, because they're going to be on spring break. Oh, I don't know about that. That's a good call out. You it, you would have your pulse matter. on that. It doesn't matter for Maryland, or at least it shouldn't. Speaking of which, um, they went through a bit of a skid basically through the the front half of February, but they got a win against Nebraska, just like everyone else. They got a Penn State <laughs> win. Um, they, they got an Ohio state win, uh, at home. So they've got things going on, but we know who this team is. You know, they got fats, Russell, they've got a heart, they've got Scott. Um, they got some dudes, but this is a, I mean, it's the most winnable game of the three, but it's a game that MSU absolutely should be winning going into the tournament. Anything that you want to talk about with these dudes? No, I mean, I, I think you, you hope maybe you can pick up Michigan. Um, I I will say this. I think all three of these games are winnable. I'm not saying greater than 50% chance. I would say with Maryland for sure. But um, and I'd put it 50-50 with Michigan. Um, but there's not like a, a low percentage chance of beating Ohio State either. So is there anything we're talking about that only one of the three teams that we're going to play to finish the season has a head coach? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I do love that Phil Martelli is now like officially ensconced in their record book. I, I love that for him. Um, I kind of don't like it because I tire of the whole like Phil Martelli is the shadow head coach of the university. Oh, that's nonsense. Game. That's I don't like that stuff. Uh, Not my favorite thing. I I just I love it because someday in in years from now, like would wouldn't it be funny if Phil Martelli ended up with a respectable winning percentage, like the all time highest winning percentage or something like that? I don't want that for us, but it would be hilarious. Um, he had a very winnable remaining record, so yeah, I'll say that. Uh, all right. Let's head to those Twitter questions. Uh, and of course, if you want to interact, you can. Uh, the best way to do it is indeed on Twitter. 
but at Spartan underscore pod, or uh, you can email us at can'treadcan'twrite1855 at gmail.com, as Joe Ashworth did, which I think we're going to get a little bit more into what he discussed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We might as well revisit it. Although, Joe, again, appreciate the uh, the correspondence. It was yeah. a nice little letter. It uh, Honestly, uh, it, it's like uh, you're a producer for the show. We uh, <laughs> it, it gave us some talking points. Starting uh, with Nate C uh, here, who asks first, how lucky are we that we don't have to play at Purdue? Do you think our penance was playing at Rutgers? I would rather take the rack over Mackey any day. Yeah. Yeah. I'll take the rack attack because I don't want to hear them say boiler up 100 million times. Over the course I don't of want to have to see Purdue Pete and feel like I need to protect my child. I mean, uh, next from Nate C, everyone's jamming the back button. I can't seem to find mine. So you think it's hiding behind the U of M game? I don't know what this means. What is this in reference to? Jamming the back jamming button. The back button. Uh, I mean, maybe I don't know if it's a punching reference. I don't get it. I'm sorry, Nate. Or is this like <laughs> a we're living in the past? I don't know. Uh, Nate. Explain the joke. Yeah, Nate, this went over our heads, my man. It's just too clever for us. Nate last asks, so I guess we're in the tournament at this point? I think the team was getting to the tournament one way or another, but like we talked about, multiverse capability, possibilities. If if they'd lost out. Yeah. If they went out a real skid, and I mean a skid. Like the kind that Grek regularly finds in his underpants. That's the one. Then that would have been except for in the multiverse for that one it's 100 out of 100 multiverses and so um you know anyway uh next up for mr neurotic pants who asks uh okay can we revise our statements and say unequivocally that cole should get fired if they lose every remaining game that's unconscionable cole is violating the game of hockey uh this is why we need jare bear yeah, I mean, I'm just saying based on record, if you if you consider it's a program of pride, it's fair to ask the question. As a guy that watches as much hockey as I watch, I'll just say it does not look like Cole is doing that hockey. Yeah. Sorry, Dan. <laughs> He's not doing the hockey. He's not doing that hockey. Uh next up from Mr. Rodic Pants, uh, last week's show was the best ever. Thank you. That's but kind. you had nerve calling my comments indelicate after the plum <laughs> with a B literally accused players of backdooring the game basketball. He's allowed to say that the rest yeah. of us aren't, but he is, he is indeed allowed to say that you'll notice no one on this, on this podcast said anything about anyone backdooring anything. Yes. Uh, last up from Mr. Neurotic pants, hot take. Let's adjust our perspectives a little bit. Fighting in big-time sports shouldn't be penalized. It should be encouraged. Mm. My anger is that Juwan threw a sissy punch like that on <laughs> national TV and set a bad example for young people everywhere. Commit to the fist. Highlights 2022. Oh, wait, just 22. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's in vogue right now. Um, how, We haven't talked about this. How's life with war on the European continent over there, Mike Jones? Big changes for you? Uh, I mean... Someone tweeted out the map of of likely nuclear target targets, and that was a little not fun. Uh, um, are you on there? Like all of New Jersey's on there, <laughs> and that's assuming that you know the Holocaust doesn't reach us from uh, just New York City. 
just hide behind Chris Christie. He'll take. <laughs> he'll take he'll, one for the team. He'll take the the full brunt of. He's like a big lead vest for you. Yeah, it's uh, it's not great. You'll um, find him on the beach all by himself. Uh, I was mildly encouraged that apparently it's not a big deal for Russia to put their nuclear forces on high alert. Because this is like a North Korea thing where they're doing it like every Tuesday. I guess their army is not nearly as capable as it was when they were the Soviet Union. So it's like, well, we're seeing that in Ukraine. It's kind of awesome, actually. (laughs) Uh, But anyway, uh, don't want uh, the Putin to listen to the pod and disrupt our our distribution. So uh, we'll say no more bad things about that big baby. Uh, Speaking of big babies. (laughs) That's a terrible segue. Go MSU Buttboy69 asks, MSU's point guard rotation is going to be really good next year, and MSU should have really high expectations next year. Uh, Do we want to tie in a comment from Joe Ashworth? Because I, I he made an interesting point yep. that if I can pull up the exact quote. Um, uh, he said something about there being no reason to think that Walker and Hogard can't start together, particularly if Holloman comes and is a capable, uh, you know, backup point guard for yep. five to 10 minutes next year. Christine Hall started the forward spots and marble or transfer start at center. Uh, his personal belief is that that lineup might be MSU's best five right now. Well, it and I thought was in the Purdue game. Yeah. I think that's a really interesting point that, that the best five on the team are likely coming back next year. Your thoughts as I sneeze and cough. Uh, no, I, I like that. Um, I particularly like that Holloman gets to, you know, get to know the big 10 by only playing five to 10 minutes in this role. I think it's interesting. Uh, go MSU, but boy, that we were just talking about not so long ago that MSU doesn't have a point guard mid season, like four games ago. And now we're talking about point guard rotation is going to be really good next year and we should have high expectations. I think that's, I, I wonder if there's some real recency bias in that statement. Um, but I can also see where that is absolutely a true statement at the same time. So I think definitely. It's re- I didn't anticipate Tyson Walker being able to play off ball as well as he has. Yeah. Well, we wanted him to operate like he was playing off ball a lot more. And that's now just starting to happen. I think probably in the press and among most fans, the biggest story for next season is going to be do Bingham and Gabe Brown come back. I think that's actually not the biggest story for me. For me, the biggest story is, is there a transfer big and can we figure out this guard rotation situation? Those are the things that matter the most to me for how successful this team can be next season. I, I do. I mean, the, the only thing I'd add on to that, though, is not that I'm expecting a ton out of Jackson Kohler. But if if you get something out of him as a big man, I, I think that's a plus and a meaningful plus for this team. Mm-hmm. I mean, but, you know, if he can't keep up defensively, then he's going to have a hard time finding the floor. But I just don't know that, you know. You know, I'm not giving up on Mati Sissoko, but I don't know that you're going to see the development this offseason from him where Jackson Kohler can't meaningfully push for those minutes. Yeah, fair. 
Um, Upper Deck Jerk Guy asks, uh, do you think anyone can accurately predict this team week to week? I think that's sort of what I was asking earlier. Your thoughts on that, Jonesy? Um, give, give me one more game. If, if I get that energy... The problem is that the losses haven't come with the energy that you would you would hope for. It's it's not I, we call we called this out last week that at least last year's team, albeit bad, played with fight, and you haven't been seeing that from out of this team. And so if I can get it, if I can get a string of games, where I'll take two, two games. I mean, luckily we won't have to rest on it um, because we'll have three game sample size. But if they close out this the back half of the season with the the energy they displayed in the Purdue game, then I think we're having a very different conversation next week about what this team might be capable of. Yeah, I think we know who this team is at this point. I don't think that's going to happen in a reliable way, but we'll find out. We could be wrong. Uh, next up from the Upper Deck Jerk Guy, can at Plum Alex say something more disturbing than that comment about what works for him from last week? He we can't. Don't need to, we don't need to re- revisit that he, either. He can't because we, we asked him to uh, take some time off and think about his conduct. <laughs> I, I personally felt um, attacked. Tubined. They've been effectively tubined. I mean... That's Honestly, if he, of- if he had tubed into me, it would have felt a little more encouraging. I think that's part of the power that he was talking about. Uh, anyway, next up from the protector guy. And finally, Gabe, if you're listening, look away. <laughs> what did you think of AJ Hogarth's game? Uh, we didn't actually talk about AJ at Iowa. Did he? How was his game at Iowa? Not great. His memory serves. Uh, yeah, six great. assists, one turnover, one steal, yeah. and four points. I mean, I mean, amongst the team, yeah, it it was one Under of the better circumstances. Games. Two for four from the field, though, Ugh. or two for eight. I'm sorry, but oh, but that's not fair. He had to throw throw up two three pointers, and we know that's not his shot. So, uh, do you do you think AJ developing a three pointer is the key to unlocking this team? Being I wouldn't great? want him to. Uh, MSU point guards don't shoot threes. <laughs> Wait, what? There have been a lot of MSU point guards that don't shoot at all. So uh, maybe I'm, I'm, but they're not the fan favorites. That's for sure. I'm definitely living in the Cassius Winston era then. Yeah. Uh, next up from the Keith ski. Uh, but why? Uh, but why? Because they want you to be confused still. They do. They do. And next up from the key ski, uh, also is tearing up after the game. Does it mean anything about a new level of seriousness? I saw this happen on social media, but I was not aware of this at the time. Yeah. So I didn't get it. Ch- Normally I watch the post game press conferences because I treat this like a job that doesn't pay. Um, it pays I treat a job like in it incremental does pay. small amounts. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, we truly need to set up the Patreon where we can select who actually gets to listen to the Patreon uh, and then have your truer thoughts ring through, Kevin. Uh, but um, I would say, uh, I mean, also Izzo just tied Bob Knight. And 
Big that, game. Yeah. yeah, that got, I think, lost a little bit in the win over Purdue. Yeah, because we've been talking about it for a month and a half. <laughs> well, we have, but I, I listen to a lot of other podcasts. People have not been talking about that. And I don't think Tom Izzo was sleeping on that record. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I think he he does an okay job of threading the the needle of like, the arrogance that's required to actually do the job that he does, because there's plenty of it that's required to do that job. Yeah. Um, and, and being sort of a relatable, modest guy. Uh, but, but I, I bet you that was a big fucking deal to him. Yeah. And, uh, and so it was a win over a big program. I mean, a very offensively talented program. And it was done in the way that Tom Izzo built his program and to tie Bob Knight doing it that way. Yeah. I bet you, that wasn't lost on him either. So you deserved it. We all yeah. love Izzo. And he read that whole thread on the Red Cedar message board about, about Izzo being done. And he, he knows. Uh, he read he Joe Ashworth's email too. Knows. So, That's right. Uh, Tom Izzo and us. Those were the two recipients. Speaking of which, Ashes Joe says, read my email, you cowards. Please and thank you. This... <laughs> Again, this was sent on Friday. This was sent before the Purdue game. And we covered a lot of the, the big parts of it. Um, he talked about recruiting some. He talked so, about well, holes the on this piece, team. I that, think is going to come up in a little bit, but it's worth mentioning. I think what he was calling out about Tom Izzo and, and the, the notion that Tom Izzo is stuck in a moment mm-hmm. and can't be nimble. <clears throat> and I think there are, there are historical examples that we could all point to where actually Tom Izzo's more nimble than he gets a little bit of credit for. Uh, you think the one that most recently comes to mind is uh, when Nick Ward got hurt and Tillman had to take over those minutes mm-hmm. and then Ward came back and it was like, yeah, but we, we got a thing over here. I also think a lot about ball screens, ball screens becoming a bigger and bigger part of MSU's offense over time. The three point shot becoming a bigger and bigger part of MSU's offense over time. But so Joe calls out that the and we've we've I think maybe made jokes about the number of point guards that Tom Izzo's recruiting and it being an overcompensation for what happened last year. But if you think about like the Baylor team last year, the number of dudes who can who who were capable of handling the ball and and you see it now with Tyson Walker and AJ Hogart on the floor at the same time, right? Mm-hmm. That, that and Max that, Christie operating and, out of one ball screen a game. <laughs> yes, but that 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 does free up this team in a meaningful way. That is a pivot to something that's maybe a little bit more modern. Tom Tom clearly watches a lot of basketball that's not his own team. Um, and you know, I, I, there was an interesting call out from Joe. Like I, I I would be interested to see where all of that goes. But um, to have you know multiple ball handlers uh, at the same time and being able to being able to, I mean, we lost when we brought AJ on, we lost what's his face to Oregon. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't but matter. Be, it doesn't matter. But in the same way that like Mel Tucker talks about being able to recruit multiple running backs, because in the league, rarely is there a team that has one guy who holds all the carries, which is interesting because uh, Mel Tucker's had two teams and one of them had one of those guys. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well, we, yes, but I mean, but I think it, as the go Continue. forward, yes, uh, <laughs> you're not going to get a Ken Walker. 
but so, you know, I think that's an interesting sell that Tom Izzo has that, I mean, Trey Hallman was not a bad prospect, high-end four-star guy, um, and then picks up Jeremy Fears in the 2023 class, who is a top 30 kid. Like, I, I don't, I don't, he clearly had to sell. There's not a conflict here. Yeah. You, you both can coexist on this team. Um, and so I, anyway, I, I just want to give credit where credit's due. Joe called something out that I thought was really smart. Other personnel things that were called out by Joe were in a weird place where there were a lot of transfers. There was also attrition due to personal accomplishment uh, on this team, um, which puts us in a bit of a weird spot with the scholarship situation and then Izzo deciding not to fill those spots. Um, Do you think Aaron Harry should have come back? No. Right. No. Kind of in the same way I don't think Gabe Brown should come back next year. I would I think, say that more about Gabe than Aaron Henry, but yeah. All right. I think these guys get to a point where they've accomplished just about everything that they can accomplish on the team. It's and just time for them to move on. You can be a Luca Garza and then just sort of dominate a league in a last year. If yeah, but you Luca, want to. Luca wasn't. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess but it, these guys were your likeness twists that for dudes like Luca in the future. Yeah. But that's, that's going to be, yeah. These guys aren't first team all big time. I want to see AJ pick up some more sponsorships. I would, I think AJ's a a sponsorship goldmine that's just not being tapped right now. Everyone looks at Gabe because of his gif ability, but you think it's actually AJ Hogard? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you've listened to interviews with that dude. He's a great interview. I'm sure. I'm sure. I I mean, I've seen it. Um, One thing that, uh, that gets called out here is that Ashes Joe kind of concludes that this team may have what it takes to go on a run. We're and not sold on that. I I think the pieces are there. But what I've been saying on this podcast over the last several weeks is I think we know who this team is at this point. And I think this is a team that doesn't go on a run. I would be thrilled to be wrong about this. But I think we've seen the body of work at this. It's point. sort of the uh, don't believe what people tell you, believe what people show you. Mm-hmm. And they've showed you inconsistency all along. And they showed us with this Purdue team that they can beat anyone. But they showed us with Iowa that they can get run off the floor by anyone at the same time. And with Minnesota and Northwestern and Northwestern again and Minnesota again, that like those were. Razor thin wins and losses in some cases. Yes. Uh, next up from the Jer Bear, people are saying that the hockey streak is because the Jer Bear streak ended. I don't know what that streak is, but we should fix it. <laughs> and uh, he says, "Not me." Many fine people are saying, though, tailgate host to iced out guest. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> that this is being dangled now back over our head. Oh, oh, is this how we treat our tailgate hosts? Oh, I see. Can't read, can't write. Oh, I show such generosity and they refuse to bend the knee and kiss the ring. Well, we'll do that now. Yeah, we will. We got to get you some some screen time over here, Jer Bear. And also, you and I got to go to Ozone Brewery uh, at some point. Me? No, you're not invited. Uh, you're not allowed. It's the two when, you of go, us. when you go there, can you ask them if they want to be sponsors? We've got a sponsor soon. We can. I, I want to break this to you. Our, our podcast is long enough that we can have more than one. No, we're not doing that. Uh, next up from Vermont Dutch, MSU potentially will have one of the top point guard groupings 
Um, top, top guard, guard group. groupings, point guards and wings in the nation next season. Christie, Walker, Aikens, Brooks, all in year two with AJ in year three. One more off season from a consist uh, from a consistent and great backcourt? Question mark. Uh, I tend to co-sign on this. I mean, this plays off of what Ashes Joe was saying. This yeah. kind of plays off what we just saw. Also, what Go MSU Butt Boy said. Yep. Yep. Uh, I say the sixty nine. Don't leave off the sixty nine. Nice. Uh, I tend to agree. You know, I. The I potential st- is there, certainly. Yeah, I, you know, Max Christie, I I suspect is going to be a stud next year. I mean, you know, another well, year in the weight room. He's experiencing his sophomore slump right now. So, yeah, I, I he's he's gotten all the run. He seems re- super receptive to the coaching, and you're not seeing you don't see a ton of really just dumb freshman stuff from him. Uh, I mean, some, but like not enough for you to the dude plays with a maturity that is beyond his his class year. Mm-hmm. Um, Walker, you know, I suspect finds a better place in this team w- than he d- has this year. And, and he's starting to suss it out. But. But I, I suspect that he feels more comfortable at the point next year. What's going to be super curious, though, is with AJ picking up 30 minutes in this Purdue game. Is he at 30? No. 25? Uh, no, 30 oh, minutes. 30. Yeah, you're right. It was 30. Yeah. yeah. So with AJ picking up 30 minutes in a massive game that I wonder, I, I, I wonder what Tyson's role is next year. Not to say that he doesn't have one. I, that's not what I'm trying to imply, but it, it may be an interesting one to split for him. Uh, where he's picking up kind of a, a weird hodgepodge of minutes. You know, if Trey Holloman's able to pick up some minutes, then then Tyson's also able to shift off to the two then. Um, but that's then minutes that Christie's at the three, I guess. I'm okay with that. I yeah. like Wayne Christie. Yeah, so it's going to be a really interesting uh, next year. And though I will say that, with the, with the elite level of, I, I think it's a good call out on the talent level at the backcourt. My question to you, Kevin, is do you think the coaching staff has the creativity to make that kind of a guard lineup work? Yeah. All right. Okay. I trust this coaching staff with the guard lineup way more than I trust it with the front court. That's it. You know what? Ooh, but isn't Dwayne Stevens in yeah. terms of... Mm. Yeah, I know what I just said. <laughs> oh, Kevin. <laughs> Next up, from Mike Jones. Uh, we are now undefeated when all in marbles start. It's obvious we would be 28-0 if Tom would have done this earlier. Why didn't he? You know what, listener Mike Jones? I think this is right. Honestly... At this point in time, why is Keon Coleman not in the starting lineup yep. as well? Yep. The dude is the most efficient player to ever uh, dribble a basketball, uh, is my understanding. So Wait, ha- hold on one second. He got in at, at Iowa, five minutes, three points. Not bad, honestly. This- that's, that's, uh, that's 24 points <laughs> yeah. over the course of the game. Yeah. Most efficient player on the on the planet. Uh, next up from uh, listener Mike Jones, better Mike Jones. Let's complain about the officials. Haven't done this yet. 
about how they took a very good game and they just. But yeah, yes, that was a. I. I it's curious. I, there's someone that uh, I know who is a boilermaker. Who um, I was looking at houses at the time texted me and I said, "Don't ruin any of these experiences for me. I don't want to know anything about the game." Uh, but I I am very interested to hear his take on the the last few minutes of this game and whether it was also like, can you watch the game and say that was a fun game to watch and then it became not fun to watch? Well, here's what I'll say. Um, uh, we had a court ordered. Um, I can't be within 100 yards of my television anymore because of the way that I treated it. <laughs> <laughs> on saturday afternoon what what, what, um, what the, happened the amount that i instructed my tv that the game was over that tyson walker was not out of bounds uh and that had he had indeed flipped the ball in and it was in play um they took a very very good basketball game and then they just strangled it they just snuffed the life out of it and I think with uh, I think everyone agreed that his foot was in. I mean, I was streaming on my phone outside of a house, and it and I was like, "What is going on here?" I think there is like an official uh, some kind of ruling that, that like if I had a calmer head, I would have like actually read up on and understood. But I just wanted to continue to be upset, so I decided not to look at those takes, and I decided just to be livid um i was a little worried that the izone might have tried to rush the floor on this one and the officials made sure that that was not gonna happen when's the last time the izone rushed the floor uh there was that wisconsin game way back in the day uh the drew neitzel wisconsin game i think they rushed the floor on that one. Oh, so Way That's back a in the day. while ago. Yeah. Yeah. This is what classy programs do. Um, also, unrelated, we were we we're Googling the old Jack Breslin Center last week, mm -hmm. and that tab is open. Did you know his name is Jack Weir? Of course. I I actually use the full name when I refer to the Jack Weir Breslin Center. Jacques Weir? Jack Weir? Jacques Weir. Jacques Weir. J-A-C-W-E-I-R. -E -I Did not know that. Uh, <laughs> don't do that anymore ever again. this is the way that i will broadcast the whole podcast <laughs> we, we. i hate this for all of our people uh Bag all right <laughs> uh anyway uh i think to circle back to verbose dutch's original point uh, uh we on that mike jones now the better oh, one not do you. we do uh we he john hubbard that's why. Oh, then let's go to, uh, he asks, Mike Jones asks, why is officiating so bad? Well, once we have the official back when he's served his suspension, um, the, also five he, games for, for plump. Yeah. Well, he did open hand slap you. So that seems right. Uh, going back to John Hubbard, my apologies. Uh, new logo looks great. What's up with the status of the Twitter bio bio? This is why. We keep the Twitter bio. Yeah. You're seeing it. it. You're it experiencing is truly it right a contingency now. plan. Contingency plan. Uh, next up from John Hubbard. My friends and I set up a pool in a dorm room in Phillips at the end of our freshman year. Brag. 
what would a liquored up narc RA Alex Plum fresh from Rick's have said if he saw it? The RA on duty that night nervously asked if it was leaking and closed the door when we said no. Uh, what's alarming to me about this, John, I just, you know, Plum's not here, but that your RA saw this situation and said, oh, you guys are sober. So I have questions. First off, I love this. Second off, have you ever emptied a uh, a hot tub? No. They're gross. Why have you? Because sometimes, because uh, oh, the when ski were... chalet that we go to, we have to like empty. Oh, I thought it was a, a former job of yours. No, uh, I can just think of how gross that pool would be the next morning that someone's responsible for bailing into, you know, the <laughs> the bathroom, like right down the sink, like next to your toothbrush. <laughs> like, oh. This is the type of thing that seems brilliant at the time, but turns out. To is, really suck if this happens in your room. Is, is Phillips a, a shared bathroom or a suite situation? This is a suite situation. Oh, uh, okay. Is a sweet, sweet situation. I was I was wondering what your I was like, well, you know, the, the bathrooms in case were pretty gross to begin with. Um Did you have a bathing suit with you at school? I didn't. No, is that a thing that people do? I'm just interested to know people have a couple drinks. How do we, how, how, how are folks jumping in this pool? Well, apparently John Hubbard had no drinks and that's the more alarming thing that this feels real drama kid to me, you know? Uh, I anyway. assume that he was lying to the RA. Uh, then, then you had the shittiest RA that's known to man and yet the best RA that's known There's to man. There's nothing worse than a bunch of sober dudes having a dorm pool party. So I, in my head canon. There were there were drinks at this thing, and sure. there was an invitation that went over to the girl side of the uh, of the whole uh, hall as well. Uh, next up from Mamopoly, uh, last play of the game with the, the in all caps, uh, and a ball ricochets off of the back of Malik Hall. Uh, have you ever turned your back on something slash someone, and it ended up a beneficial move for you? Uh, I mean. Last week, there's one of our most uh, dedicated listeners uh, gave us several questions, and I turned my back on them and made a joke at their personal expense about how recycling was not a great question. And it got a huge laugh from my co podcasts. So I would say that in that case, turning my back on one of our most dedicated listeners worked out great. <laughs> What about and you, Jonesy? You want, Anything you want to say? all to that. <laughs> all right. Next up from Mamopoly, Robert Montgomery Knight, held in high esteem by Indiana fans slash alums. And that's not, it. That's actually not an entirely accurate statement. <laughs> There's some resentment that goes both ways with that one. Also, he's not in great health, so we should tread lightly here. Yeah. Uh, he's basically kind of the not, chair. Yeah. It's not. It's not great. Um, Izzo has, uh, and Izzo has documented wins, positive player graduation uh, rates and the popularization of the motion offense is undeniable momentous achievements. Um, 
Oh, those are all uh, Bobby Knight's uh, achievements. Um, in today's world, will a coach with a similar disposition be so adored? The answer is no. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. It, look at coaches of yesteryear who have been idolized. Although uh, at the same time, there's a coach that hit another coach coming back in four games. So how is it that you achieve a fireable offense? If it happens again, like does Michigan get punished? Your, your face is saying that's a fair question. Well, I mean, like we said on the pod at the time, this is a thing that if Michigan wanted to get rid of him, they would do it. Now, granted programs just invent reasons sometimes to do these types of things. But with this, what this was, was a fireable offense that he did not get fired for. So, yeah. uh, next up from Mamapolif, uh, oh, on this subject, Phil Martelli is a not Jawan Howard, according to Phil Martelli. No. Uh, what makes you nervous that the fact about the fact in how Michigan will approach Tuesday night's game, or are you simply wondering if Izzo does a one hand walk by handshake at the end of the game? or a two, a full two-hand prolonged one? Well, first off, my understanding is that Phil Martelli and Izzo are friends. Yeah, that's the least surprising thing that I've ever heard. And um, I'm not worried about Phil Martelli as a coach, because as we established, he got fired because he didn't really accomplish a whole lot at St. Joe's over the course of his tenure there. I'd be more worried about Musa, who has had more than one handshake incident. Yeah. His. Um, but... I think Tom Izzo knows what he's getting with Phil Martelli. I'm not worried about it. What do you think? Uh, uh, But yes, I'm more nervous about how Michigan will approach Tuesday night's game than anything about the handshake line. I think that's the question. Yeah. Uh, So finally, last question. You want to go with this one? Garvert. Prop bet of the week, number of postseason wins by MSU Hoops versus the number of game winners on the season, currently at four. Over-under is 4.5. Greg, I know how you're going to end out on this one, but I implore you to think of how would you fill out your bracket? Over and over. My man! All right. That's it. That's a wrap on Can't Read, Can't Write. I'm Mike Jones. He's Kevin Greck. We are the only two hosts of the, the podcast. That's right. And, Logo's uh, going back. <laughs> Logo's going back. Uh, we want to thank you for listening in on a, I don't know, a week that was deeply emotionally confusing. Uh, and uh, look forward to, honestly, Kevin, I, I remember last year and how we kind of got a bit spoiled with like having a lot of hoops to watch. Mm-hmm. And in a time that, you were going out less than you are now, right? Well, we're still not going out a ton is the truth of the matter. So you're more social. I guess a little bit. I guess a little bit more. I think there was a lot less leaving the house, generally speaking. So uh, it's going to be, I mean, it's not great for the team, but kind of excited for three games in a week. Not going to lie. It's like tournament time again. It is. It's we're gearing up for tournament time. So So. uh, with that, Kevin, go green. Go height, Michael Jones. That felt not appropriate. I'm going to do it the whole time.
I'm gonna never not gonna do it. Okay. <laughs> All right.